Hello everyone, welcome once again to Marketing Meanders with Sally and Sam and uh, today we are extremely lucky to have Mike Foster talk to us about entrepreneurship and marketing and uh, well you'll find out that Mike's got a wealth of experience in the area of entrepreneurship but also in many other areas um, and we're going to be going into the, the actual impact of marketing on entrepreneurship and, and how you effectively can start the ball rolling with marketing when you are starting a business, a small business, um, a larger launch, whatever it might be. Um, what do you need to keep in mind? So really looking forward to the conversation. Um, but just to give you a little intro, uh, Mike um, is currently a mentor and trainer at uh, the Entrepreneurs Mentor, working to help entrepreneurs uh, grow their businesses. And he's also a founder and director of the Oxford Business Community Network. Um, and I think it's fair to say as well, really, in terms of uh, Mike's background, it's, it's pretty varied and, and incredibly rich in terms of uh, the work he's done with business startups, accountancy, banking, and much else besides. So I think you'll hear an awful lot uh, about, about uh, the experiences that Mike's had today, which I'm sure will be, be very useful. Um, and in particular, I, th I think we're going to find out really about um, the areas, the points to keep in mind about when you're starting marketing and entrepreneurship, uh, about how to keep your stakeholders um, aligned effectively, and, and how to work with people, which I think Mike's got a lot of experience um, in as well. So I've been gabbling on. I will allow Mike to actually now introduce himself and welcome him to, to this episode. So hello, Mike. If you'd like to just give us a little intro as well from uh, about who you are, where you come from, that'd be great. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sally. Thanks for inviting me to join you today for your podcast. It's it, my, my background for nearly about 30 years now, I've been supporting small businesses in some way to start, develop and grow their business. Uh, for the last eight years, it's as the entrepreneur's mentor. Um, doing exactly that and that's in effect why I positioned myself as a mentor rather than a coach was to I guess add some value and add some experience from that breadth of experience that I've built um, I think my CV I wanted to build in a way that if I sat around a boardroom table nobody would be able to pull the wool over my eyes because I'd have some experience in those different areas that you referred to earlier it ranges back from late 90s where I was an area manager for Barker's business startup team then I went to um join a startup breaking away from South Australia District Council before then starting my own businesses over a period of time. And as I say, last eight years with the Entrepreneur's Mentor as a personal brand, but I've actually been delivering that with firms or accountants, whereby I've been working with their clients as an employee, um, delivering the advisory services. And um, beginning of last year, I decided to come out on my own again. Um, and so far, it's been a great move. Brilliant. Great. Thank you very much, Mike. That's, that's a really lovely roundup. And um, I, I'm just going to leap straight in now, actually, to, to my most pressing question, which, as we all know, is, is always the, the first question we ask, which is, what is your favourite dish, Mike? Well, my favourite dish, I guess, would be steak in some way. Um, the better the steak, the better. Um, and actually eating it in a good restaurant. Um, just it's that sort of whole satisfaction that comes with the flavour as well. So, yeah. That would yeah. be my fa my favourite dish. Not oh. too bothered, not too bothered what it's with, but uh, just a good piece of steak. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, absolutely. I, I I very much look forward to the time when we can all go out to to a restaurant again and enjoy a good steak. It's never the same having it at home, is it? Quite unless you're like a really good, you know, really good chef uh, at home. I, yeah, it's for me because I live with a chef. Of course you do. Uh, yes, yeah. Sally has this advantage over Perfect. all of us, she, she, which she <laughs> she slips in. But, uh, but marvelous. Well, that's a great a great selection, I have to say. I, I think I might be trying to have a steak of the weekend, so uh, I, yeah. I will keep you in mind when I... Tell my agenda. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Well, I'll, I'll let you kick us off now, Sally, into the, uh, into the meat 
of the subject. Thanks, Sam. Um, Mike, I'm going to start off with a really big, huge question, so you can take it wherever you want it to be. So, um, why does marketing matter for a startup business? Um, good question. I think for me, it's really about creating that traction for the business in the first place. Um, and this is why I say to startups that you should not really wait until you are 100% happy with everything because you learn by, in effect, positioning your, your offering out into the marketplace. Um, so I believe it's sort of critical and it's, you know, I don't think you'll ever be 100% happy with your, with, your, with your marketing or your proposition, et cetera. And it's something that you, particularly at startup, you, you sort of tweak. I use a tool called the Business Model Canvas, which talks about taking your value proposition through your channels to your ideal customer segments. Um, and you can only start with that in terms of what your gut feel is and what your market research is. But, you know, when you take that through, the, the Business Model Canvas talks about a loop that you bring back around, which is then you build relationships and get feedback from your customers that then can tweak your proposition. So, I think in terms of why it matters, I think it's in terms of it just underpins the whole business model. You know, I talk about, again, to startups, actually doing all the stuff in the background. Actually, you could argue is a bit of a waste of time if you've got no customers. You know, so if you're putting the systems and processes in place and get it all ready, you know, if you've got no customers. So you know, get, get the marketing out there. But it's important, I say, and again, I always say to my clients, is make sure your market development is in a, in a in alignment with your product development so that you know you don't want to get a product to market and then you haven't got the market because suddenly surprise it's not there so you've got to do that market research and you know i'm sure you guys have seen it in terms of um market research you know when i was a bank manager it used to frustrate me that it's the smallest section in any business plan that i've received and when i said to people well tell me about your market research well i've asked some friends and i've asked some family well, yeah of course they're going to pat you on the back and wish you well you know go and yeah. do your go and do some proper market research and then build out that yeah, or you say that fatal when they say these fatal things like "Who are you selling this to me to?" and people go, "Oh, whoever wants to buy it." Mm, no, couldn't be more rubbish answer. Yeah, yeah I was uh, I was talking to someone this morning about mass market versus niche markets for yeah. exactly exactly that reason. Yeah. I mean, for some, I mean, the, to be honest, the other thing you've got to do is make sure that your marketing plan, whatever that is, however big or small that is, absolutely aligns to your business plan. So start with your business plan and say, where do we want to get to? What have we promised the bank we're going to do? Why haven't they signed it off with a loan? And then make that happen in your marketing plan. So really, your initial marketing plan shouldn't be that difficult because you should have just done your business plan. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, you shared an interesting article for us the other day in terms of um, the one page marketing plan. And, you know, I, I, I make sure that my clients keep it really simple. I don't know where this idea come from, where a business plan has to be this thick, you know, in terms of, so, so, so in terms of a big, big document, you know, sometimes people write detail for detail's sake. Um, yep. and, and we sometimes have to keep it very simple. And, you know, I think clarity for me is the, the big thing in business in terms of, are you clear for, as Sam was saying earlier about stakeholders, do you have clarity for all your stakeholders? And obviously your customers and prospects are a part of that. Are they clear about what your offering is? Yeah. And the other thing is you've got to think about is how, whether you can afford it. So it's all very well to say, well, yes, I want to advertise on television. When I do have smaller clients who say that and I go, oh, no, you don't, because you absolutely can't afford it. Do you have any idea how much that costs? Oh, it can't be that much. Lots of people do it. Mm. Mm. and getting people to kind of wind down their ideas so they can actually do something which is going to work as opposed to something which is you know all very exciting is going to be big and fluffy and sparkly balloons is quite a hard thing to do too 
Yeah, and I think this is one of the, the the things I sort of talk about when you talk about the research. You know, is that again linking through this business business model canvas and choosing the right channels because I see too many times <laughs> businesses sort of start up and do the marketing that they feel that they should do rather than the marketing they should actually do. Um, so I they love Facebook, so they do Facebook advertising, or they love um, I don't know telephone calls, so they do telephone calls, but it's not right for their market. It's not right yep. to pull pull that customer towards them. Mm. Yeah. And you've got to measure it from the very get go. You can't just measure it later because if you're going to get it wrong, you've got to stop it and retweak it. And you've got to be able to do that immediately because I do get a lot of people that say, oh, no, I don't want to measure it until we've got a place in the market. Mm. <laughs> you're never well, you're going to get the wrong place if you don't start measuring it right at the beginning. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's really interesting. I think the whole because I'm interested, fascinated with the point I was going to come come to later on about about where to start and the, the way in which you can actually sort of iterate your marketing when you're starting off or iterating whatever you're doing to just get get going with the plan you have in place. A simple plan, as you said, Mike. But I'm interested as well in hearing about people who perhaps come along. It's a bit of the chicken and the egg, isn't it? Sort of like, well, they come up with a great idea for a product and they think maybe people will like this or more effectively, they come up with an understanding that there are people out there who genuinely need something. There's that need to fulfill. Therefore, you've already defined an audience because you started with the definition of the audience and then you developed a product or service to meet that need rather than the other way around. But do you find when people are right at the very, very beginning and, and perhaps, you know, they're not marketers themselves, perhaps they're, I don't know, we always have this example of handbags, our hand, Cotswold handbags. Um, uh, I don't know if there is a Cotswold handbag company out there somewhere, but we, we always <laughs> use this example of this. Crazy, yeah, exactly. So, you know, new luxury handbag range, say, and you think, well, yeah, I, I, I know that there is a market for, for these handbags, but I've, I've come up with a great idea, but I'm not a marketer. I'm great at making handbags. I don't know how to market it. I don't necessarily have a great idea of a grasp of a business plan what's the first kind of literally the very first conversation you say to somebody at that and that that point who's like you know has got a bit of an audience definition they've got a great product well a high quality product perhaps not relevant but anyway a good quality product they think that they can go out with what's the first kind of thing you'd say in a sort of marketing context or understanding their audience what are the first questions you'd throw back at them if, if they were to come to you with that I think much of the timeline is determined by the market so I have they got to get to market really quickly whilst they've got that market opportunity and often for those products or services, something jumps out that that's the way to take it to market. Um, I, I, I refer to one of my um, preferred reading lists in the background, a book called Traction. And it talks about um, 19 different ways of building traction towards your business. So I encourage the businesses to explore that. Um, and the opening paragraphs of that book talk about you know, not dismissing that one of those 19 things because of your personal feelings about that thing so i if you don't like facebook ads then you might not do that so you've got to dismiss that but it's in about like a dartboard and they talk about the bullseye so like you start with your 19 you move three or four into the middle you test and measure those and then you you bring one or two into the bullseye and you you just make your investment in those because you know that by making an investment in those um those channels or those tactics that you can actually gain customers from it and you know what your return on investment is because you've tested and measured it so I, th I think from my perspective, it's, it's just saying, okay, explore what the opportunities are, but be really clear about who it is you're trying to pull towards you so that you go and fish in the right pond. So therefore you use the right tools, whether it's online or offline and fish in the right, the right pond, as I say, so where your people are hanging out. Yeah. How much does it matter if you get it wrong to begin with, if it's just not quite working, but you still believe in your product? I think, you know, I think any entrepreneur, you know, if you lose faith in your product, you quite often it's time to close the door on it you know it's um 
for me it's where the passion of entrepreneurship comes from i think it's it's being honest enough with yourself and i always talk about reflection points you know i i close off every single day in terms of what could i've done differently what could i've done better what went well um and i think when i'm encouraging my clients about their marketing is to think okay well if you've done xyz you know what what's your trigger point what what's your trigger point to say actually this is enough to stop or this is enough to actually double down and do it do even more of it um, and it's being honest in, in terms of that reflection. So I don't necessarily always think it's the bad product that, or the bad service that they brought to the market. It's probably how they've taken it to market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and as you say about sort yeah. of the, the testing, I suppose, about something we always go on about in terms of marketing and, and testing what you're doing and, uh, and understanding, well, I suppose understanding what good looks like, but also understanding, again, the intentions of your audience. I mean, it strikes me, again, if someone's coming into this, perhaps not as a marketer themselves, but they, they could be um, sort of guiled by, by these vanity uh, metrics, for example, to a certain degree when they, if say, for example, they go out on Facebook in a big way and they, they you know, spend a few grand and they go, well, this is amazing. We've had, you know, 500 million, 500 million, 500,000 click-throughs or impressions on this and that. Perhaps they need that help to then guide them on, okay, well, let's, you know, look through in the financial side of things to, to the bottom line here, what is actually coming through or, because I mean, is it is it difficult? Do you think, with, particularly with marketing, is concerned? Obviously, you're starting out, and you're not going to know necessarily what your um, your, your actual co- conversion uh, timeline will look like with your customers. If you think, well, yeah, I'm, I'm gaining interest, and then the next phase is then nurturing people along, and then the final is clo- closing sales. Hmm. I mean, is that something you think that naturally you, you can plan for, but kind of emerges throughout the processes that you follow with you say with your with your plan? Yeah, I think I think there's two things around the numbers, and those that do know me know I I do love a number. Most things I think come back to a number. You know, whether we're whether we're measuring something, where even if that's a customer service, we say, how do you rate us out of one out of ten, for example. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it from a number perspective in terms of testing and measuring. I think I see many businesses measure the wrong things. They tend to measure what I class as outcomes rather than activity. So they'd be measuring, you know, let's say for example, just a set of accounts. They'd be measuring how well my turnovers going rather than the actual success drivers that drive that turnover. So if we bring that band to marketing, they might be measuring, I don't know, how many new clients have I got from that medium of my marketing plan, rather than actually working it back and saying, actually, if I have a number of conversations at networking events that lead to a number of proposals that lead to, sorry, a number of discussions that lead to a number of proposals, then I will get those customers and therefore focusing on the activity number and measuring those activity numbers rather than the result. Because it's a little bit like, if you say, okay, I want 10 clients this month, and you go, okay, get to the end of the month, I haven't got 10 clients, well, what do I do next month? Do I try harder? Well, I probably tried as hard as I could. So, you know, having that breakdown, I think is of the right metrics and the right, what I call success drivers. I think the second aspect then comes back to the whole budgeting thing. And, you know, unless you're a big corporate, you know, the McDonald's of this world that can do the big brand advertising stuff, we've all got limited resources for our marketing in terms of time and money. I think from then a budget perspective, I often get asked, well, how much should I spend? Or um, should my marketing plan be a percentage of my turnover, for example? And uh, for me, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, for me, it's, it's, it's much more considered um, than that. It's, about, it's more about how much money and time investment is it required to deliver your plan. So coming back to our plan that we talked about earlier. So I talk, when I break my plans down with my clients, it's okay, let's do your strategic piece, um, you know, in terms of who you're aiming for and, you know, uh, what your messaging is etc but then in terms of your activity plan what's the activity plan that you need to deliver to deliver that strategy and then you can actually break that down in terms of execution to say okay well if i need to do social media who's going to do it how much is that going to cost 
etc if i need to do a telesales campaign what's that going to look like if i didn't need to do xyz and then i then i um, at startup encourage the businesses to, to plan that out and say okay that's what i need as a plan that's what it's going to cost me that's my marketing cost then that goes into the bottom line and then we can start to work out the expected revenue to cover the return yeah. on investment for exactly. that and if you're not getting that revenue it either means that maybe your marketing channels are wrong that you know that you thought facebook was going to be terrific but actually it hasn't been and you need to start tweaking it rapidly but you do constantly your rights need to put it into the bottom line to make sure that you're measuring things seriously i mean i've worked on many people who suddenly have they, they learn new phrases kpis that's a really dangerous one because, oh sally i've got we've got to have can you tell me what my kpi should be no, I can't, quite frankly. No, for those, I'm sure everyone, everyone out there does know what it means, but it's a key performance indicator. And that doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the same as your goals. Everyone confuses the two and it causes a whole lot of headaches because you're so, so busy measuring and you're not me you're measuring two different things. You're comparing things that don't compare. Key performance indicators, are they might be... Um, one of your key performance indicators might be um, we answer the phone on time every time. We are, within three rings, we answer the phone. That could be a key performance indicator. It's got nothing to do with money. And that's why I can't tell you for, as a consultant what your key performance indicators need to be. Mm. Yeah, that, that comes back to, like I say, in terms of drill, drilling down into the real numbers in your business, as I was referring to earlier. I, I use a, a tool called a one-page plan, which talks about... Um, you know, I think the other thing to throw into the mix, you mentioned you've got goals, but the other thing is targets. Yeah. And uh, I use a one-page plan. It breaks it into three sections. So the top part is, in effect, your vision, mission, goal, and objective, i.e. the goal, the big picture, what it is that you'll want, what it is that you're looking to achieve. The second box is then the targets. So this is the how, if you like. That's, you know, what is it I need to do? What, what is it that I need to achieve? What are the objectives that we're, we're aiming for in terms of target numbers? And then under each of those targets is then an activity plan. And then that's the things that start to drive for me, the key performance indicators. So say, for example, our vision, mission and goal of objective was to double the size of the business. One of the targets may be a certain number of customers that we need to achieve. So therefore, what's our marketing activity plan to deliver that number of customers? And then we can start to drive the key performance indicators off the back of that activity, not, yeah. not the, the wrong way. And now ideally with the one page plan, what you should be, be able to do with the considerations and fold the piece of paper in half and just be totally activity and KPI focused. Yep, absolutely. And it should then feed up into it. Yeah, if you've got it right, it's just going to feed up into your top box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's really great. I mean, it's interesting as well, actually, just to, to think about that when when you start out. Because I, I remember I had a, a meeting with a friend of mine who's um, part of is it, uh, Oxlep, um, and uh, she was saying about, again sort of similar things with a one page stick it on the wall plan, you know, and really pretty simple, but broken into the, the why, what, and the how, like in, in, in that way, in that sense. Um, but it was quite interesting as well when, when talking about the very foundation, right at the very beginning with a, an entrepreneur with an idea, there's, that, there's always that split, isn't there, being a, sort of from a human point of view of the structure and the joy of the passion or the, and the structure the, between the two, isn't there? So do you often find that you have to almost give people a bit of a, a, bit of a cold shower sometimes who are coming and say terribly enthusiastic about an idea, a plan, and they may very well have written a lot of detail, but actually the detail is extraneous and it's, it's just not actually going to help deliver on a structure. Did you, do you find that happens with people? Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because the, the definition of an entrepreneur is those that have taken a risk and ultimately that links into all of us as business owners because that's what we, we've done um, in, in terms of taking a risk. And you get a range, you get... Um, those entrepreneurs that have utmost belief, utmost 
Um, you know, nothing's going to get in their way. Their marketing plan will be quite loose. They'll probably spend a few thousand pounds to get to the idea, but they can afford to spend, spend that few thousand pounds, maybe because of other business ideas, etc. Then you've got the the other end of the spectrum, whereby you've got the entrepreneur that um, is probably less of a risk taker, more um, more steady, more compliant type of individual, doesn't like change, um, and they they have to be the planner, and they have to they're the ones that want to be a hundred percent right before they actually launch it out, if you like. Um, somewhere in the middle for me um, is that entrepreneur that's got that sort of spirit of um, you know that that growth mindset that we talk about, you know, that I'm totally in control of my destiny. I need to go out and do this, but then with a plan and then with that structured plan, but not overcomplicating the plan because our mind can only deal with a certain number of things. So when I talk about my one page plan, I only talk about five targets. Cause I think if you focus more than five targets, your mind's focusing on too many things. So as an entrepreneur, okay, you've got all these things you could do. What are the key things that you need to do? And, and as we, we said earlier, you know, marketing has to be on one of those key things to do, because if you've got no customers, it's pointless having the rest of the, you know, yes, you want to have the, the other stuff ready and ready and waiting. So when you've got a customer, you can deliver the promise, you can deliver the value that you've taken to market, but it's got, it's got to be a key area. So break that down simplicity. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you've got to be relatively risk comfortable because I think sometimes to learn, I mean, in a minute, I know Sam's going to talk about a wonderful quote he's got for, you've got to, you've got to fail to succeed. And you really do have to sometimes try something out of the blue and just say, okay, I'm going to give this a go. You can budget around it to make sure it doesn't impact your entire business. But sometimes you do have to take a real risk and say, don't know whether this is going to work. Let's try. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, when we talked about testing and measuring earlier or that that uh, model from the book Traction that I talked about where you, you're bringing in and you know, you've gone from 19 to five straight away. So you've already dismissed 14. So to a degree, you've already taken a risk on what you think is going to work before you start testing and measuring four or five. So, you know, one of the best things I think in any business owner, any entrepreneur is that gut feel. You know, and if you, you know, when you manage that gut feel and most people have got a good sense of that. And yes, you know, we were talking offline about, you know, whether you're ever a hundred percent right. No, you're not. So you're going to make mistakes and, you know, it's, it's learning from those. And I, I say to my clients, everything we do is an outcome, whether it's an outcome we want to repeat, whether it's an outcome we want to learn from, or whether it's an outcome that we don't ever want to repeat and we never do again. Mm. And we can relate that to our marketing. Yeah, exactly. That's why it keeps your business soul going to think, actually, I have actually, it's been a disaster, but I've learned something. That's, you know, mm. makes every day a good thing. Yeah, and that's absolutely connected to, as you, as you mentioned, Sally, I was, was going to sort of quote on a, 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 the, an entrepreneur I met when I used to work at the business school in Oxford, and uh, we were working on a programme. Ultimately, actually, this programme didn't uh, take off in the end, funnily enough, but um, uh, it was a very useful lesson. It just always stuck with me. We were sitting around a table and we've been asked to sort of come along with uh, you know, a plan of what we were going to do, marketing plan, you know, with, with as much detail as we could have. And then there were the people putting the elements together and the product and all the rest of it. And then this guy was, uh, I think, almost like a kind of uh, kind of like an internal consultant. He was sort of semi you know, affiliated with, with us and uh, he was involved. And he, he just, you know, a lot of people have been talking for probably about, I don't know, half an hour, 40 minutes about lots of detail. This is right in the beginning. And. I was sort of thinking, um, okay, let's see, see how, how, how it goes. And But he just said to everybody, well, the thing is, I mean, he, he's a serial entrepreneur. He set up lots of businesses and he said, you know, I've done that, I've exited. And the thing is you need to think about is, um, you know, if you're going to fail, fail quickly um, and you've got to start getting things going. You've got to start trying things. So don't don't be, as you said before, Martin, don't get constrained by the detail and try and get 100% correct and then move. Um, uh, try and get as much as you can 
you know, have, have a good, a simple approach, an understandable approach, a good plan, a plan you can test against and find out did it work or not, not just a chaotic kind of let's just chuck mud at the wall and hope it sticks. But but if when you do start, you, you can start with things, you know, you said it depends on the nature of the product, the nature of the market. Does you have to move quickly? Do you have to move slowly? But he said, we need to start failing, though. We need to start finding points of failure, understand the outcomes and then improve. So exactly the same um, piece there, I think. But it, it just really stuck with me because I think everyone wasn't we were all quite an internal mindset not as much of an entrepreneurial mindset i think and he, he really injected that uh, that point in there which i thought was so useful it's just i just i could i've never forgotten that meeting i mean i probably quote misquoted him in a way but <laughs> that's what i remembered anyway it's it's, it's, a, it's a, f- a fine reflection point because i think you know many business owners procrastinate because of the fear fear of failure um but if you reflect actually most businesses fail because if we all knew how it could be done or how it should be done we'd all be firing you know, multi-million pound businesses and it'd be all fine, wouldn't it? So there isn't, I don't think there is a business that hasn't had a failure at some point. And I think as Sally was alluding to, you know, there's there's a lot to learn from the failures. You know, I certainly, in the tougher times that I had with my own businesses, they were better learning experiences than when you're just riding on the crest of a wave, having a great time. And, uh, yeah. you know, you, you learn a lot more, particularly coming back to your marketing, when you've got to reshape your marketing and uh, think about, okay, has my proposition changed? Has my market changed? And it's a discussion I'm having with clients right now. The, the pre-COVID client or customer is very different to the post-COVID client um, from that side of it. So do you have to adapt? Do you have to change? But I think back to my own six businesses, you know, if, it, if I was to have the same marketing plan for each of those six businesses, you know, I wouldn't have been as successful with some of them because it wasn't the right fit for you know, one was a children's indoor soft play center. The other one was a, a marketing organization. The other one was a, a bookkeeping business that needed a different strategy, different tactics, different tools. That's interesting. You have to, and I think for a lot of my clients, you have to persuade them there isn't a template. I can't just give you a template and say, oh, look, here's a marketing strategy. They have to build it. And they also not only do you have to build it, but you've got to be prepared to rebuild it constantly. Absolutely. The whole time there is you, you can't just say, well, I've done it for the year now. You know, I'll put it over here on the shelf and never look at it again. You've got to look at it every single day, stroke week at least, to make sure that is what's happening. Yeah, exactly. Fluidity. You know, I think yeah. um, whether it's a business plan in general or it's a marketing plan, it's got to stay fluid. It's got to stay a live document. It's got to stay yeah. under review. Um, and if if you're not, if you think you've done it, if you think it's job done, and I can just do that filing, you'll get left behind. I don't believe any business is ever standing still. It's either going forward or it's going backwards. Yeah. Again, how do you keep that momentum? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in terms of um, putting elements together, then, so if we say we've actually got a plan, we've got a reasonably clear plan, and we're following things in a structured way, um, particularly with marketing, then now, I mean, we, we, we I think uh, we've, do, we've done a podcast on this, but we also talk about it a lot is the DIY approach. And of course, I suppose, given the very nature of someone in a small business as an entrepreneur starting up their handbag company again whatever it might be there's that diy mentality i guess as well with sort of a, a spectrum of people who say well i'm going to try and do everything myself or i'm going to actually sort of think actually no straight away I'm, i need to invest in in experts to help me deliver because they can do it faster they can do it more effectively and they'll give me a better chance so i need to cost in again going back to the budget i have to cost in that that cost but uh, i don't know do you, do you find that people are i mean particularly with marketing i suppose because it's one of those things which I don't know, maybe some people think, well, it's a bit of a specialism, but I can make I can do a campaign. That. I can do that. It's kind of like, which, you you know, you, you can and you, you may very well be very good at it. But you may also make a bit of a hash of it as well at the same time. But do, what, what do you find with that, with people with the DIY mindset that when they start out? 
Well, I, th I think it's one of the biggest hidden costs that um, businesses don't see is uh, is their the time and energy and financial pounds that they spend on their marketing because they think they can do it. And they, you know, again, coming back to this 100%, can you do it? It might not be 100%, but it might not be the percentage that an expert can necessarily do that for in terms of doing that for you. I think, you know, my response would be you could do it all your own, but you shouldn't. Um, you may be maybe able to do some marketing and it might you might be the right person to do that you know in terms of you know, for example if you're the business owner some of the founders i used to work with spinning out of the university you know that they were technically brilliant on their product so really they were the best sales and marketing person to, to go out there and do it you know because actually it would take years for somebody actually to understand the research that they've been through but actually quite often you can pass certain activities off and you have to think i think you know one of the things i encourage business owners to ask themselves is should i do that am I the best person to do that or do I really want to do that? And often then business owners will think twice about, you know, this, this hidden cost, as I say, is that I might as well do it myself or it's, it's quicker to do it myself rather than employ somebody else to do it and think about, okay, what is the investment I need to make to get the results that I need? And, you know, I think it's when I used to run my marketing business, people used to say, how, how, how much do you spend? How much do you charge per hour? And, you used to give them a quote and they'd say, oh, wow, well, you know, that, that takes me about 30 hours to do that. So that's going to be an expensive investment. Actually, by handing it over to my team, we'd have probably done that in 10 hours, you know. Yeah. So it yeah. wasn't that that relative that, that I think business owners do. Um, so often business owners will take twice as long, I think, doing such activity compared to someone who's got the skills to do the implementation. When I say the skills to implement, it's not necessarily because they've done social media before or website design before. It's because, because they're repetitive on that. And they do that. That's one nature, but also because of all their experience and all their case studies that they've got of working with their own clients, they know what works for that business, so they can actually take that take that to market effectively for them. And I don't think business owners necessarily, when you get into the detail of um, some of the things you can do in your marketing, whether it's you know paid for advertising, etc., really understand it. So, like you were talking about earlier, Sam, some of the metrics that we could be measuring. I think most business owners look at that metrics and go. Yeah, being quite nice to have a number of hits or a number of visitors, etc. But do they really equate to, to business? No. And there's always, I mean, people do have a tendency to think that they're going to do it well. And actually, there's there's, a, there's an invisible cost. If you just don't do it very well, you're going to get fewer hits than someone who's going to, you're going to have paid them, but they're going to have done it 10 times better than you. They'll have got the better message out there. It'll last. It'll be more impactful, quicker. And so it's worth paying for every single time. And then actually it means the business owner can spend their time doing what they're good at, and that's running their business. Mm -hmm. yep. Easy distraction. Easy yeah. distraction. Because marketing is, I think, you know, it's quite an exciting role, isn't it, for 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 business owners it's if you were to choose one of the things you probably wouldn't choose finance you probably wouldn't wouldn't choose actually the operational delivery because actually you're stuck doing that but actually getting out there marketing your products what they get yeah. they get sort of drawn into that area and therefore as you say sally they get distracted don't they from doing the things that they really right. need to do and in actually terms of managing the business yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, some of marketing is actually really tedious, but some of marketing is putting processes in place and making sure that you've got a CRM system that works and has got all the right data in it and you are actually examining it. So some of marketing is not sexy and fluffy balloons. It is actually really quite tedious segmentation and analytics of what your audience is saying and you know it can be quite tedious it's not all exciting and then what happens is that though that non-exciting bit just doesn't get done 
Mm. So it turns and it, it, it turns into a huge task. Devil in the detail, as I refer to, you know, I yeah, think, um, again, the, the other the other thing with an entrepreneurial mindset is that, you know, I quite like that over there and I quite like that over there and I quite like that over there. And whether it's the next shiny thing or it's the next thing that yeah. your mate down the pub told you about or you went to a seminar and someone said you should do Facebook advertising. Oh, should I? OK, well, I'll get on Facebook advertising. And actually, you forget about all that thing you were doing over there just a minute ago that was actually bringing you customers because you've been yeah. distracted over here. And you, oh, why am I not getting any customers? Because you're not doing what you should have been doing which was getting you business in the first place. Well, we really hope you enjoyed part one of our Marketing Within Entrepreneurship with Mike Foster today. Many thanks again to Mike for his time. It's been a really fascinating exploration. We really enjoyed it. And uh, we have part two coming up uh, later this week uh, on Thursday. Um, But if you're listening to this um, in future years or months, then you can access it right now on our podcast listing. So in part two, we're looking at uh, how you can build your brand and and building your proposition, positioning your business uh, within your marketing as a a, a we or an I. And uh, then finally, looking at uh, the certain elements of things that you definitely should do with your marketing as starting out as an entrepreneur and the things you definitely shouldn't do when starting out as an entrepreneur. So Mike's got some really helpful advice there um, on those particular aspects. And uh, yeah, I think you everyone will really enjoy that when they when they get to listen to that as well. Hope you've enjoyed today. If you do have any uh, items that you wish to come back to us on or, or questions you've got for Mike, then please do contact us in the usual way um, on Twitter at MeandersPod, email MeandersPod at gmail.com or you can look up podcast on facebook and also you can find both sally and myself and mike of course uh, on linkedin in particular so if you just look our names up you will find us on there um, so once again thanks very much to mike for part one and we hope that you will all be tuning into part two thanks so much everyone take care for now bye